to Her Digital Brand, a podcast where we interview founders and leaders of some of the best brands on the internet. I'm Kyler Nixon, and in just a minute, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Brad Bishop. Today on the show, we have Dr. Asharina Reem, the founder of Psyched Mommy. Dr. Reem is going to explain how she runs workshops to reach and teach her audience. Let's jump in. All right, Dr. Reem, we're so excited to have you on today. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, I want to jump in. We do this with every guest. I want to just like get into kind of the meat of the conversation. Like, tell us a little bit more about your brand. Um, what is Psych Mommy? What do you do? And um, even a little backstory as to how you kind of arrived at this this brand would be great. Mm-hmm. I always say this is so. I would have never imagined myself doing this work 10 years ago. If you would have asked me if I would be running a business called Psych Mommy or even doing the work that I do, I would have been like, absolutely not. There is no way. So I, um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm also a mom. And um, after having my son, I noticed a lot of shifts. Actually, while I was pregnant with my son, I noticed a lot of shifts in my mood and it was unexpected. And here I am, I'm a psychologist. And I thought like, what is going on with me? You know, what is going on with me? I'm not myself. Maybe this is just pregnancy. And as that postpartum experience came up, I noticed, okay, this is, this is not normal. This is not what I should be feeling. And, um, I just remember repeatedly saying to my husband, I don't feel like myself. I just don't feel like myself. And this kind of took me on a journey of really exploring like what parents can experience throughout pregnancy and postpartum. And I started training in perinatal mental health. And this is what became the focus of my practice. I was seeing um, parents in this time period that were noticing the shifts in their mood. And then um, I just thought, hey, why not grow this bigger than what I do in private practice? Why don't I start to see if people are interested to learn about this out there in the world? You know, just And then it was one post on social media that grew into the next. And then people kept saying like, oh my goodness, there's a name for this. I can't believe it. And it just grew and grew and grew. And I had no idea there was a need for the education, the validation. And that's how Psyched Mommy came to be. It's yeah. the brand on social media where we focus on specifically perinatal mental health, um, mothers and their families, infertility, pregnancy, postpartum and beyond. And we share the education and the resources that parents can feel empowered. They don't feel as alone as maybe I did in those early days. And they just feel like there's this virtual village out there that's um, there to support them. Yeah, I love it. We we talk with a lot of um, guests about the name of their brand, because like mm-hmm. I feel like more than just about any other space, like when you're kind of dealing with um, mom brands or digital brands or Instagram brands or whatever you want to kind of refer to yourself as it's like the name is really important, right? Because it's kind of reflective of you. It's reflective of what you do. There's like kind of so many variables that go mm-hmm. into it. How did you land on? psyched mommy because i love that name it's one of my favorites that we've worked with but i'm just like really curious how you actually like landed on that you know this is funny because i my instagram handle used to be um named after my son and it was like it was whatever i was just sharing photos at that point and i had a moment where i thought like okay well if i'm sharing more of this education how do i like marry the two things that really are very important to me one i'm a psychologist and the other is i'm a mother and this is really the platform where this is what we're speaking about And I had like, I'm pretty, my brain does work this way where I can create names for just about anything. And I was like out for a walk and I was like, oh my, 
psyched mommy. And I just kept saying it. I was saying it to everybody, to my husband, to my yeah, friends, yeah. to like, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a good idea? And they're like, yeah, it's a great idea. And I was really nervous, but it's stuck. And it's bizarre because several yeah. years later, so you, here we are. So you just landed on it. You didn't really like, you know, because like for me, I'm terrible at naming stuff. Like we talked a little bit about the podcast name and kind of where we've landed on it at this point. Uh-huh. But I was, we literally probably have a list of, what do you think, Brad? Maybe 50 to 60 podcast names. Yep. And we were asking our friends and family. And that's how I arrive at a name. So I love that. Like you literally were just out on a walk and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds great. Okay. URL is available. Okay. Perfect. Instagram handles available. Is that like basically yes. what happened? Yes. Stars align. I love that. That's this amazing. is how my right. brain works. It's like when I'm vacuuming, hiking out for a walk, when there's like yeah. just a stillness, I'm like, oh, here's an idea. What do you think? <laughs> so did, did you poll anyone about this name or was just like, nope, this is the name. I actually, um, belong into this group in this group of professionals on Facebook. And I had put out like three names or was it two? It might've been two names. And I, it was psyched mommy and something else. And, um, most people were leaning towards psyched mommy. And it was the name that I really loved myself. So it was just confirmation bias. Is that what I was going for? But I really went for it. And I was like, great, this is, this works well. You wouldn't, you, you probably, you might be surprised at how many brands struggle with names. It is a difficult, like, Thing to navigate because you are people going to like it are they not is it is url available is mm-hmm. or is it make people want to buy my product or whatever i mean there's just so many conversations around it so that's amazing that it just came to you and i was i was thinking too as you were talking yes naming is you got over that hurdle and it worked really well for you the other hurdle i was thinking of is so just being an open book with you um, my wife and i went through eight years of infertility and mm-hmm. four rounds of ivf and we now have two babies that are adopted but I remember infertility just feeling like a very lonely thing. Like you didn't talk about it with all mm-hmm. your other friends. And even now I've got friends in our, in our friend group that struggle with it that will not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or we, or we have friends in our friend group that have had babies, whether natural or adoption that struggle with some type of, some type of postpartum, they don't want to talk about it. And so it seems to be like a t- maybe they're taboo topics a little bit. So talking about how you navigate that, I mean, you were talking about topics that are maybe a little bit taboo that people don't want to talk about. So how do you, how do you navigate that? I, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, that you walked that journey. I'm actually currently walking a secondary infertility journey myself with just a failed IVF transfer. So I can, I know what you're talking about. And this is, this is the challenging part of what I do. You know, when we go to get trained in psychology, they talk about like not sharing so much about your personal journey, but there is something else about the human experience that when we see and we hear someone that's sharing about this journey, we're walking that feels so lonely and painful that we feel like it frees us. It frees us when someone says like, Oh, I've been there too. I've walked this journey too, because so much of life when we're going through the hard stuff, we do feel alone. We feel like we're the only ones. And I found that what made my business successful at the very beginning was sharing personal stories. And I'm not used to that as a psychologist. We're not sharing our personal stories. I'm sharing everybody else's stories. You know, we're talking about like what my client told me. And I found that the most powerful piece that people could connect to was me sharing my own pain and my own struggle. And, um, it was, it, Sometimes I would like publish something and then really like just hold my breath for a minute because I thought like, how is this going to be received? The very first blog post I ever published was on um, miscarriage, infertility, and pregnancy loss. 
And I thought, no one knows this about me. Like no one in my personal life knows this about me. Now I just share this with, you know, all of these people and, um, how is it going to resonate? And I, all of these people were just emailing me in private. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't believe you shared that. So there is something when you're authentic in your business and in life, when you share the real stuff that people are drawn to it, because most of the time we're seeing this, you know, really happy highlight reel all over the world on every social media platform. And it makes us feel like we're doing something wrong. So there's a piece of being brave, doing it when you're scared, sharing your story, but also knowing that you don't have to share. Sometimes we're not in the space to like go there and that's okay too. It's just, it's really about figuring out um, what you're comfortable with. But I think in business for myself, it has served me well. And um, it's because people can connect with my authentic story. I'm not sharing these experiences that are like, you know, made up. They're real. So I'm sorry yeah. to hear about your infertility experience. I hate that. Um, I know. I, I, I hate it for everyone. It's yeah. like this. Why do people have to experience this? <laughs> it sucks. It just sucks. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we did four IVFs and I mean, gosh, I don't know, maybe over six years or so. And it's like with each, like the very, I remember the very first one we did, I think that's when our hopes were the highest. We'd never gone through this before. And then with mm-hmm. each subsequent um, IVF round, it just got less and less and less to where like the, like the, by the fourth one, it's almost, it wasn't even a letdown. It was just like, okay. I mean, that's just what totally we expected. So mm-hmm. move, moving on. Um, I hate, I hate that. Um, something you said though, that really, really, really got to me was you talked about the power of authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so in your experience and with your audience, do you find that people respond better to information or authenticity? And by that, I'm, I know know this is clear as day to me because I've been studying this. When we share information, it lands sometimes when we share an authentic story of validating experience. And it's usually the words that I took from like my late nights up on my phone, typing in my notes on my phone. When we share those, we get far more engagement than we ever would sharing about like statistics on postpartum depression and what you can do about it and all that. So people want to hear the real raw story. They want to hear what, you know, how can they relate the the emotion that they can connect to where they were thinking beforehand, I thought I was the only one. And that's what we see in the comments all the time on everything we share. It's like, I can't even believe you shared this. I feel like you were in my head. I felt like the only one. And that's what social media has the power of doing is, or in business, whatever it is, you have the power of unlocking someone's experience to where they don't feel like they're the only one. You know, you can kind of like sit together and they feel more connected to you than they might feel connected to their friends or family because someone else is validating that experience. That's great. Good That's advice. a wrap. A great interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I know. It's so good. <laughs> All right. So at this point, you have started this brand. You've named it Psych Mommy. You've been putting out content largely relating to your story and your like professional expertise. And you've kind of combined all of those things into this really awesome brand. Mm-hmm. How did you decide, like, at what point I'm going to monetize this? And what what was that first piece of monetization? Was it a course? Was it something else? This is hard for me because I am a psychologist and business is like, not my, like, I didn't study business. I, if you ask my husband, he would tell you, you are the least business oriented person because I don't like selling. It's not my thing. And I think a lot of people would say this that are, you know, 
professionals. Like it's For just, sure. They yeah, don't train absolutely. us. They, it's not like you yeah. go to grad school and they're like, let me, let me show you how to start a business. They just tell you yeah, how to you right. know, engage <laughs> with people. Well, I got to a point where my audience was growing and I thought, well, how can I serve? I don't want to start a practice. There's only one of me. I don't want to see more people. I'm going to be seeing 50 people a week. This is just not, not going to work for my, my health, my business. So I established my first course, keeping mommy in mind with nothing, barely anything. It was like a PowerPoint. I created a PowerPoint presentation. I was doing, I was talking over it. And I thought of like, what do parents need to hear? What do moms need to hear? How do we better equip them so that they can have the education, they can have the skills. It would basically be things that I teach clients over the course of several therapy sessions, but I can make it into one package and they can all have access to it from anywhere around the world. And that's what I did. So I started off with like a PowerPoint presentation with a voiceover. I created a workbook and I'm telling you, this took me so long because there's this like perfectionism (laughs) that I'm like, it's got to be right. It's got to be just right. It's got to cover every single point. It's got to, you know, do all these things. And I did that and I just put it out there at some point. I don't even think I had yeah. a strategy. I think I did this like by myself the first <laughs> time I did it. I was just like, okay. And yeah, like what I learned from that is don't overthink it. Sometimes, you know, done is better than perfect. <laughs> that was yeah, just yeah. like what I went with. Like I kept telling myself, so good. it's going to be okay. That yeah, was it. Yeah. I love it. We we've talked to clients a lot. Like I went to you know business school, and I feel like I'm still learning like so many of these things, right? Like I don't they don't really teach you how to sell. They teach you about this you know the theory of selling and all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of what we've learned is like you know just through kind of the school of hard knocks and figuring it out as you go. And one thing I love about what you did is uh, it's called an MVP or a minimum viable product. What's like the cheapest way that I can get this out into people's hands and just test it out. And so many times clients come to us or, uh, you know, friends wanting advice on something and they're like, Hey, I'm ready to spend 20, $30,000 to produce this thing. Can you help me? And I'm like, do you know if it's going to work? Like, how is this the best you know product for you? Like, and so I love that you just kind of said, this is what this solves an immediate problem for me that I can't see all of these people and it might not be perfect. It might not be, you know, what I would do two, three years down the line, but for right now, this is the best way that I know how to serve this audience. So I think there's a ton of, a ton of wisdom in, Mm -hmm. in doing it that way for sure. Um, I want to talk about then how you've kind of transitioned a little bit because we, we talk with a lot of course brands, obviously we work with a lot of course brands and that's kind of all they do, right? It's like just courses. And you've transitioned into adding these other, um, do you call them webinars or workshops or what's the workshops? Okay. So you've added this kind of lower ticket item. You're working with another brand. Like how did that come to be like transitioning from, you know, kind of doing course, a course or courses only into these workshops that are a little bit different. You know, it's funny. My friend Erica from happy as a mother reached out to me and she was like, what are your, what are your thoughts on hosting? Like a workshop, kind of like a webinar. And I was like, no one is watching a webinar in 2020, whatever it was that time. It was, I don't even know what year it was. I'm like, no one is watching a workshop or a webinar. I'm like, who is? I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like- I think I said that to you. I think you, I think you asked me about it. And I was like, I don't, I, who's watching those? I have no idea. Like, I was like, yeah, they, we could get these pain points. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, we could target these pain points and we could, you know, teach on a topic. And, um, it could be short, it could be like an hour, it could, you know, do all this stuff. And I'm like, gosh, I don't think so, but I'll give it a try with you. I'm willing to try it. And, um, we found our first pain point that we thought was 
as Kyler says, a painkiller, not just a vitamin. And we, <laughs> we went with it. So it solved a big problem for people. And, um, it was on the, um, anger and rage that parents feel. So we went with that topic. We hosted our first workshop and we then realized, okay, this we're yeah. on to something here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think it's partly due to our audience as well. So when you are maybe, um, parents are invested in finding solutions for their children. They will buy the course. They will take it. They'll take all 18, you know, um, lessons on how to right, right. behavior. But when it came to like solving a problem for a parent, what we found is that they could carve out that one hour of time where they were sitting there with us live and we were answering their questions at the end. There was something about that, that they just connected with. So this, this whole way that we structured it really resonated with our audiences they liked the live. It was something about that live piece that I think um, really helped. And then it just touched on that one topic, that one thing that they could solve in the matter of this workshop. You know, what is that? Instead of, you know, courses are just like layered upon layered of this is going to develop into this and that and the other. So this was just very targeted, just one topic. We could solve one thing and it seems to really work with our audience. I'm so glad you said this because I had a conversation with with, um, another psychologist slash therapist. I'm not sure what her actual degree is, but anyway, we had a conversation about this the other day and she was talking about how she wants to target moms and parents, but her fear is that when you become a parent, you just want to spend money on the kid. You don't want to spend money on yourself. So that sounds like maybe that's something you found as well. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you over, how do you get parents to spend money on themselves. You have to remind them that they're valuable. And we have to remind parents that the greatest work that they can do as a parent is work on themselves. You have to remind them that like changing your child's behavior, like we can't manipulate kids into being like quote unquote good kids. We have to work on our own issues (laughs) because we all have them. We all carry our own baggage and we all carry our own emotional pain. So in order to be and show up as the best parent, we have to work on ourselves. And I think we have to remind parents that, but we also um, have to speak to those secrets that they have, the pain that they experience that they don't really want to share with everybody else because they don't think everybody else will understand. So like, for example, the first time I spoke about postpartum anger, I remember I was trying to put my little tiny son down for a nap. And I'm like a few months into postpartum, my husband's working from home and I am doing all of the things that they tell you to do to put your child to bed and he's not falling asleep and I'm sleep deprived. He's been up 17 times that night. He's colicky. He cries all day. I just set him in his bassinet. And I remember I walked out of there. My husband was on a conference call and I'm screaming in the living room, screaming and crying all at the same time. And he's like, looks like he's sweating and panicked on his <laughs> conference call. And he's like, are, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? I'm like, I don't think so. You know, I, I really don't think so. And yeah. it was like, I'm not going to share this with anybody. Do I share this with anybody? I've never heard of anybody feeling like just raging. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm all of the feelings. And no one told me this. So we have to speak to these like real experiences that parents want solutions for. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be, um, whatever impatient, whatever it is that we're working on. 
we have to speak to these real experiences, not what we think that parents want to hear, but what they actually want to hear and surveying your audience is like, that's key. That's the whole other interview in and of itself, <laughs> probably right there. Like just talking about messaging and how important that is. And you, you kind of touched on this and it's, it's so funny because when we were preparing for this uh, interview, Brad and I were talking and literally everything you mentioned was like things that I said, Oh, I want to, I want to chat with her about this and this and this and this. And so I, I appreciate that you hit all those. But one thing you said was talking about positioning your product as a painkiller and just, you know, for anyone listening who doesn't know that, or hasn't heard us refer to that, we talk about products in kind of two categories. One is a vitamin product, uh, which is something that is a nice to have, but doesn't necessarily get rid of your headache. Right. Whereas a painkiller is uh, it takes away the problem immediately. Right. And so people will spend more money going and buy aspirin than they will buying, you know, Flintstones gummies. Right. And so we want to try to position our products as a painkiller to, to that person's problem. Now, the challenge when you're dealing with something like you know, your audience and what psych mommy deals with is there are tons of pain points. And the problem is when you try to hit all those pain points, you accidentally turn your product into a little bit more of a vitamin product, right? You're kind of diluting that message. And so what I love that you've done is you've um, identified, you know, moms don't have a ton of time uh, to go through each of these modules. They probably don't want to spend a ton of money on themselves. And they have this one thing that they're dealing with right now. And so your solution to that was the workshops, which are a lower priced option for them. They just have to commit to an hour. They don't have to sit there and watch tons of stuff and go through tons of workbooks. And it's solving an immediate felt need that they have. Did you think about it intentionally like that? Or was it sort of like our audience has this issue and we just are going to create a solution for it? Or did you guys think about it in that way? We did think about it in that way of like solving the immediate problem, the lower ticket. And, um, I think that's the piece where like, it makes me sad to think this, that parents are, will invest in the products to help their kids achieve all these things. But when it comes to their self, they're like minimum option. Like what's the, like the least bit of work I can do to help myself. But that is true. So we really took that into consideration. We thought like, okay, how can we make this the most effective way to help parents reach them and teach them? So um, it's been working well, honestly, it really has. I love it. When you look back over the last you know, few years that you've had this brand, um, if you had to pinpoint like one or, or one or two things that have been your biggest challenge. Obviously you have over half a million followers. You have, you know, generated a lot of revenue. You have a lot of success and people know you and they trust you. You have a really great brand. But when you look back, like what are some of those things that were maybe like, if I had to think about one thing, this is the biggest hurdle or the biggest challenge that I had to overcome to get from point A to point B. The biggest, it's probably not going to be the sexiest, but here I'll share it. (laughs) Um, The biggest challenge for me has been imposter syndrome. And it's been like this fear of, huh. am I doing this right? Am I the questioning of myself? And um, am I good enough? I was like, it's kind of like thinking like, am I equipped to deal with this? Are people going to think I'm phony? Yeah. Do I, and I, I have the training, it, it, which is so silly. It's like, I have the training, I have the experience, but I was like lacking the confidence going mm-hmm. into this and feeling like everyone was going to think I, this sucked. This whole thing was mm. terrible or they were going to, you know, criticize me and overcoming that was the biggest hurdle, like showing up, you know, it's showing up in your stories. I don't do this as a psychologist, you know, in my work, I, you show up to work, you see your clients, you bring them back to your office, you work with them. Right. Like, right. Okay. Yeah. But just like showing up in my ordinary life 
every day and thinking like, what are people going to think? What are people going to, you know, how are they going to feel? Is this going to resonate? Is my, um, me sharing this, is it feel relatable to people and constantly questioning myself? So I think if, um, if I could have a chat with myself, you know, years ago would be like, just do it anyway. You know, no one knows what they're doing when they are first starting off. And I've made some mistakes as far as like financial like investments that um, it's all whatever. But my husband always says this to me. He's such a great cheerleader. He's like, do you think that, you know, like, um, gosh, I'm now I'm like uh, Jeff Bezos or, you know, Steve Jobs. He's like, do you think they've gotten to their success without making like mistakes? Do you think that they like all just landed every yeah. single thing perfectly? No one was like, gosh, I really right. regret that financial decision or man, I really should have spent this elsewhere. He's like, this is how businesses are built by making mistakes and learning. And I'm like, you're right. Why aren't you the psychologist? <laughs> you know? so it's like, Can we have your husband on. We're just going to do like a, <laughs> a bit every single episode. He'll just come in five minutes and it just give his pep talk to anyone yes. who <laughs> he gives me my pep to. talks and I'm like, I'm back at it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it. he just said this to me the other day. He was like, I was like in a spiral and he goes, you know what you're missing right now? And I'm like, what? He's like, vision. What's your vision? Let's talk about this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm over you. I'm over like, you. Shut up. I don't want to talk about this right now. Right now. I, I just want to be sad right now. <laughs> you, you, you've literally teed up maybe three to five subsequent interviews <laughs> with you on topics that we could spend hours. Fantastic. Well, so I'm it. curious, you, you mentioned imposter syndrome. Let me ask you this. Do you spend much time looking at what other mom brands or light brands are doing? I used to. I did used that, to. Did that, did, that, did that foster the imposter syndrome? Yes. And I will say for anybody mm. that is like in the space of like infancy where you're starting a business, it's great to have a boundary with yourself to say like, oh, this is what other people are doing. It's good to see sometimes like just it's social learning. You see what other people are doing. You like, oh, that's a great idea. Hmm, I like the way, you know, this mm -hmm. person has developed that. But when it starts to become a comparison trap where you're self-deprecating and you're like, I'm never going to be like that. Or look at her, look at him. How are they doing that? You know, we see yeah. our part of our story and we're comparing it to where they're at, which has been developed over years with a team or whatever that looks like. And we only do ourselves a disservice. So what I started to do is, um, there are some people that I still engage with and communicate with, and I can like root them on, but there are a lot of people that are in the same work I do that I've had to mute on social media. I mute them, not because I don't want to cheer them on, but I noticed that it's actually negative for my own mental health and for my own, yeah. um, my own journey. So I've just muted them. And it's like, I can, mm -hmm. I can check in on you once in a while, but I don't want to have to feel like I'm constantly yeah. comparing myself. And that, those are the boundaries I've set for myself. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, on, on top of that too, if you're, if you're only looking at these other brands, your, your content is going to start to feel like there's, you probably wouldn't have arrived at the workshop idea because you're so focused on what these other brands are doing that you're not able to step back and say, what does my audience need and how can I serve them differently? And so when you like kind of have those blinders on and, and straight in your view as these other brands, it ends up, you know, it's fine at first, right? It's important to kind of get a feel for what's out there. But I think at some point you have to take the blinders off and start, you know, looking around and, and saying like, okay, how do I serve this audience here, um, you know, better? So it's cool to hear that you've, you know, at least have, have worked on that and, and have kind of come to, to where you're at because of that. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, like Kyler said a few minutes ago, you, you've built a really great brand. You really have. Um, it's fantastic. So I'm curious um, if there, if you could go back and in, in, in terms of marketing, if there's anything you would do over again, mm-hmm. what would that, what would that be? Hmm. If I could do over again, what would that be? Gosh, this is a good one. <laughs> um, in terms of marketing or in anything, in any, I'll say anything. I'll... Okay. Because I'm still like growing and developing in marketing. I'm like right now, I, I try to read on my free time. <laughs> I'm reading one of Donald, Donald Miller's books right now. I'm like, Wait, are you doing Hero on a Mission? No, 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 no. I'm doing, um, goodness gracious. One of his memoirs, like the old one? No, it was like, was it, is it Marketing Made Simple or Business Made oh. Simple? Oh, right. yeah. Marketing Made Simple. Yeah. Well, they, I guess he has both, right? Yeah, I think he does yeah. have both. But the new one's really yeah. good, by the way. Okay. So I just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to like understand that better and how I, you know, Kyler, I, I hear your voice in my head. I hear your voice yeah. in my head about <laughs> stories, storytelling. So there, there's that piece. I really think that um, there's not a regret that I have about marketing. I actually think that I worked with Kyler at like a really great point in developing this business. And um, mm-hmm. it really helped me to see things differently and open my eyes to um, like how this even works. Cause I don't think I was trained that way. So that really helped me, I think, create everything with that in mind, like that framework that you, you and I worked with. So that was, I mean, maybe doing it sooner. I just don't know that I was in a place financially to do it sooner. <laughs> I was sitting here, I was sitting here on, on pins and needles and Brad's like, what's your biggest marketing regret? And I'm like, it, she better not say us. She better not no. say with us. <laughs> no, I think that I think that like if I could have done it sooner, yes, because I was not trained on that. I was not trained on marketing. They don't teach you that stuff. Um, but also not being afraid to invest in my business. I think that's really scary when you're like, this is a big investment. This is a big financial commitment. Can I do it? And sometimes there is this piece that we are afraid to take the risk. We don't see like what something can do for us. And then we just start to power through. And I've done that for far too long where I notice that it's like derailed my progress because I am doing all of the things. And I'm now I'm teaching myself about marketing. I'm teaching myself about, mm-hmm. you know, emails. I'm teaching myself about content creation. And you yeah. know, then it's like the con- like the, the beef of the content. And I think that's probably the biggest regret I have is not outsourcing some of the work because I was the main, like the pain, like the point person and I was drowning and I'm still like, I'm right now I'm trying to hire one more person because I'm like, I am Mm -hmm. drowning. I am drowning in workload. So not being afraid to do that. You know, it's interesting. We had a, I had a call the other day with uh, the girls from mommy labor nurse and they built a fantastic brand as well. And, you know, it's interesting. They're trained nurses. They went to school to be nurses. They actually still do patient care, bedside patient care. And the words that are coming out of her mouth, she's talking about drip sequences and click-through rates and all these things. And I'm just like, wow, like you've, you've literally like had to go learn another foreign language. I'm curious. So, you know, in your space, there's a lot of didactic education that went on to learn what you, what, what you learned or what you know. How much time do you spend learning more psych stuff or learning like click-through rates and drip sequences and things like that? I love Liesl, by the way, from Mommy Labor Nurse. Um, <laughs> she has mastered the art of business. She really has. Actually, I was just chatting with her the other day. Um, for myself, it's kind of like a mixed bag of training. I do a few trainings a year in psychology. So I'm like, 
And it's usually branching into something that like I haven't touched on yet. And like how I'm going to grow this brand in the next two to five years. That is, I definitely do psychology training. I do a lot of it and I, I actually really thoroughly enjoy it, but I am, I am spending my time learning things. Like I was just like a social media is a space where I'm like, I've got to learn the basics. I don't, I, when I started this, the first day I post anything, I didn't know how to make a story on Instagram. I didn't understand how you put text on the story. So I ask, I look up videos. I'm constantly like reading books. Now I'm reading books on marketing. I'm actually taking, I'm actually taking the story brand training next week. Um, oh, that, is that you in the live workshop? Yeah. I'm doing you, a, just a refresher. I need my brain to feel. Are you yeah. going to Nashville or do it online? Online. I'm doing yeah. it online. Yeah. So next week I'm doing that. Um, I've been trying to understand this whole world. And it's like a mixed bag of like, okay, what do I need my skills on to develop these like captions to really feel like I am speaking the marketing language instead of just putting on a didactic lecture? Because sometimes it can feel yeah. like that for me. So yes, it's really mixed, but I'm not at yeah. Liesl's. I'm not where Liesl is. She is just bionic woman. And I, I hope I aspire to be like that. Have you, I'll <laughs> say, we'll send you the interview when it comes out. Cause we yeah. actually interviewed Liesl and we interviewed Tiffany Tippin, who's her COO. And it's like, I think that dynamic has allowed Liesl to really be Liesl. And it's allowed Tiffany to like come in and do like more of the businessy side mm-hmm. of things. And they, and Tiffany talks about that a little bit in her interview, but like, I don't, I think you're selling yourself short because I think yeah. there's been so many things that you've done that I'm like, I'll send to clients or I'm like, oh, this is like really impressive. Like check this out or here's a cool brand. So I think, uh, I think you're, you're not giving yourself enough credit there. Well, thank you. This is, I told you imposter syndrome coming out. I'm going to well, do a therapy yeah. session with myself. This is over. <laughs> there you go. Um, one, one thing that we'll link to, we, we have three books that we typically recommend to clients. I don't know if this, uh, if this last book was out when we started working together, but You've mentioned a couple of them. One is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Um, it talks about the seven pillars of, of storytelling and how you can use those in your business and in your brand. I feel like if there was one book that has maybe been transformational to my clients or to our clients, it's probably been that book because it kind of changes the way that you you know, share information with your, your audience. The second is Marketing Made Simple, which you mentioned, and that talks about how to turn story brand into a marketing funnel that converts, how to put it on your website and email funnels and lead generators and sales pages and all that fun stuff. Um, one of our other clients, Speech Sisters, is actually featured in Marketing Made Simple in the website section. They go through their website and, and why it works and, and different things like that. So a great example of a digital brand there. And then the third book, and I don't know if you've read this one or if I've even mentioned it, but it's called Social Media Success for Every Brand. And it's by Claire Diaz-Ortiz, who is the former COO of Twitter. Um, and it's how to use story brand on social media. So um, that's been a really beneficial book for a lot of clients. So we'll try to uh, we'll link to that, but those three books are kind of like the the trilogy of of marketing <laughs> knowledge uh, that's really beneficial for uh, digital brands. For those that don't know, Claire's job at Twitter was she, they would send her out to big organizations, and she would get them on Twitter. And her claim to fame is that she is the one that was flown to the Vatican to get the Pope on Twitter. The Pope, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there you that's go. A big deal. It's a yeah, influence. It, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a book that's it's, it's it's connected to story brand a little bit because um, mm-hmm. I think her and Don kind of partnered up a little bit on this. But I mean, she wrote the book. Just I think he had some in, some influence into it as well. So it does have that story brand link mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, 
All right. This has been so good. We have two yeah. kind of fun questions that okay. we uh, ask everyone. And then we are definitely having you back and we got to figure out which topic we want to cover again, because there's so much good stuff here. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you the first one and then okay. Brad, you can go ahead and ask the second one. So the first question that I have, what is a recent purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has positively impacted your business or your life? Oh, this is, might be like really off. Cause people would think it's going to be something for like marketing or social media or whatever. Yeah. I actually purchased the book atomic habits by james clear yes and i have i'm reading it now for like the second or third time and um i've been establishing i would say atomic habits and it's been life changing it's like the way of seeing yeah, yeah. my daily interactions with myself the way i think and i'm a psychologist so for me it's been i love the way he presents the research the way that he presents stories yeah. and even hearing him on audible has been great but that's been probably the the most yeah. the best that's well, way great, less great than hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so good. We you're yeah, go ahead. I I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, you're we're gonna, gonna say you're, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna mention Tiffany. Yeah. So when yeah. we wrote these questions out, you know, a month or two ago, whatever, when we were before we started recording podcasts, I was mm -hmm. thinking we're gonna get stuff like, uh, you know, really good business stuff. Or I love this planner. Or I love this pen or whatever. I don't think we've gotten a single answer that's like how it helps your business which i love and we asked tiffany the ceo of mommy labor nurse what was her favorite thing i think i think we're gonna have to figure out how someone can top this because i don't think it's going to be possible but mm -hmm. uh she bought knitting what is what's the proper term knitting needles yeah like the she bought knitting needles. so like knit stuff so i didn't yeah i yeah. never would have expected I've, that answer. I've never met someone who knits other than my mm. grandma so uh <laughs> yeah atomic habits great book we'll we'll link to it for sure yeah, um, it. brad okay <laughs> yeah so the next the final question. so the next one is what platform software or app not social media mm. could your business not live without mm, probably canva i think that right there is the most popular answer we get on this people love yeah. canva yeah everything yeah. is created on canva Every single so thing, good. everything else yeah. can be done somewhere else. Like I would say Asana or something, but really you could use a Google doc. Like it just like, there are things that you can replace, but uh, like with Canva, like that is the bread and butter mm -hmm. of everything we do. Everything is created there. So yeah, probably yeah. It's, survive it. it's really amazing how like what, like a what, 10, $12 platform can really revolutionize your business yeah. because mm -hmm. it's literally Photoshop for dummies. I mean, it really, yeah. cause I, I cannot do Photoshop. Yeah. Well, I'm a dummy because I don't know how to use it. My virtual assistant <laughs> helps me with all that stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love, yeah. I love hearing these large brands. Like you have 500, what is it? 511,000 followers as of the recording now. And then like uh, mommy labor nurse has quite a bit. And that was who we interviewed last week. And so it's so funny because you both said Canva and it's like, you look at these larger brands and people think you've got this whole stack of designers on staff and you've got all this software that you use. And it's like, no, it's like we use Canva, which I love. Um, okay. So I want to, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here. Thank you for, uh, jumping on. I got to share this story with you. I don't think I've ever shared it with you. You're going to remember it. Um, it keeps me up at night probably once every three months. It's like a very intrusive thought that I just can't get rid of. So when we first started working together, we, we would go through the story brand keynote, right? It was like the first 30 minutes of our engagement together. And we just kind of run through like, what is this framework that we help clients walk through, right? At the very beginning of that keynote, there's a slide that talks about, you know, here's how the brain works. And I was so used to giving that keynote. I'd given it to tons of brands. And here I am saying, here's how the brain works to a 
psychologist and I felt so freaking stupid. And I remember saying, you obviously know this <laughs> and you go and you go, no, keep going, keep going. It's okay. And that keeps me up at night. Probably every three months I just lay in bed and I'm like, I, why did I do that? I'm such an idiot. So oh thank you. Oh my gosh. For- I haven't even thought of it at all. So it just goes to show you. I figured you have it, but oh man, I was just, I got, I had to share that with you. Cause I was like, every few months, I'm just like, I know you didn't care, but it just was one of those things where I was like, what am I doing? So, um, anyway, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, super thank proud you. of your brand. You guys thank are you. Uh, incredible and we're really grateful to know you and partner with you. Um, and thanks for joining us. We're going to definitely have you back on soon. Thank you so much for having me What an easy chat.